your Locked On Blue Jackets, your daily podcast on the Columbus Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Locked On Blue Jackets. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. If you go to builtbar.com, use promo code Locked On, all one word, you will get 20% off your next order. I am Jay Foster, as always, and today we are going to be talking about everything that happened on on Saturday because it was a whole bunch. Uh, we're going to look at how the Blue Jackets managed to score five goals in one single game uh, and we're also uh, going to look a little bit closer at the Laine Dubois trade. Uh, I sat down with Sarah Avampacho of Locked On NHL at the weekend uh, to talk about that and also a little bit of Torts talk. So we'll get right into it. Um, so the Blue Jackets won a hockey game on Saturday. It was great. Um, I actually did not get to watch it live because I was double booked and doing other things. Um, but as I understand it, we scored more goals than Tampa Bay by, a, you know, a significant margin. Um, it was 3-2 when I had to leave for my uh, my other thing. Uh, and I fully expected to come back and expect, you know, a 5-3 loss or whatever it was. Um, I did intend to kind of have the game on mute in the background, but that didn't work out. So I finished my uh, my other super secret thing, came back and was like, oh, holy heck, 5-2, five, five, you know, what happened? Uh, and the answer is Zach Kerensky finally woke up and started playing the way that we want Zach Kerensky to play. Uh, he scored the 4-2 goal, and then uh, Eric Robinson scored the empty netter. But let's go back to that first period, because that was the one I watched in any kind of detail. Um, that was, in my opinion, a pretty good, solid period of Blue Jackets hockey. Um, you know, it was, apart from the last, like, 30 seconds or so, it was basically ideal. Um, I thought Elvis had a really strong game as a whole. Um, you know, he made a couple of really good, really key saves. Um, unfortunately, we allowed a power play goal. Uh, that was the the second goal. Um, but apart from that, I thought everyone kind of really did did all the right things. Um, I made a joke to my friends about, you know, oh, maybe Pierre-Luc Dubois was the problem all along. Uh, and I was fully joking because I don't think that it was entirely a Pierre-Luc Dubois thing. But I do feel a little bit like a weight has been lifted off the team as a whole. Um, obviously, you know, this, this offensive output, everyone kind of seemed to chip in um it was it was a team effort i guess as as uh, tortorella likes to call them uh every line was kind of doing what they wanted and it felt a little bit like kind of the blue jackets team of old uh which 
does make me wonder kind of what the like the atmosphere in the locker room was like when uh Pierre-Luc Dubois was in there for the start of this season um and so you know as much as it pains me to admit it you know uh, maybe maybe this is you know the best possible way for this to kind of play out um we're going to talk a little bit more about kind of Pierre-Luc Dubois later on uh but for this game uh I like I said I thought Elvis was really good Texier continues to improve uh I thought Max Domi is kind of coming on slowly but um I think now that he doesn't have Dubois automatically in front of him in terms of center duties I think he will continue to uh, improve as he gets more responsibility. Um, Stenland, I thought, was really solid. I liked that fourth line a lot. Um, defense is still a little bit shaky for me, personally. Um, I'm not 100% sure what Zach Krensky was doing on that power play goal that they scored, apart from just kind of standing there. But he did make it up later on with that... Um, Wierenski style goal that we have come to expect from him um um in terms of like fun weird blue jacket stats um I do want to bring up the fact that both of our wins this season have come off of games where we allow the first goal uh obviously this is not ideal but currently I believe we are 2-0-0 when we are scored on first uh, and we are 0-2-2 when we score the first goal um which I don't necessarily like because I hate being scored on first, but it is just kind of a fun a fun little stat that I thought I would point out. Um, so Victor Hedman, who I am really starting to dislike, uh, scores the first goal for Tampa. Um, it's kind of a, a... It was a weird goal. I think I called it clown shoes at the time. Um... And it was a weird breakaway that then turned into kind of a three-on-two that bounced funny. And then Elvis made the first save and the second save. And then it kind of bounced out again to Hedman and it just kind of flopped in. Um, So I didn't love it as a sequence. It was kind of a, a breakdown on everyone's part uh but you know sometimes sometimes that is just how hockey works um it did not fill me with great confidence for the rest of the game uh but you know about 30 seconds later i believe uh there is a similar kind of clown shoes moment on the other end puck pops out to nick felino he puts it into the net uh, that's his third goal of the season, which is pretty good for a guy that I don't believe has scored more than 15 goals a season since 2015, um, which was his, you know, big 30-goal season that got him this big contract. So, you know, if we can get 15 to 20 goals out of Nick Foligno, uh, I will be I will be happy with that. Um, we will finish off breaking down... Saturday's game in just a minute uh, but first I have got to tell you about Bet Bet Um 
Now, I am not a football person, but as I understand it, the Super Bowl is happening soon. Uh, Tom Brady is going to be there, um, because I don't know if you're allowed to have a Super Bowl without Tom Brady these days. Um, I personally will be rooting for the Kansas City Chiefs only because uh, noted Blue Jacket Brandon Dabinsky is a big Kansas Chiefs fan, which is extremely funny to me that this uh, Alaskan-born, New York-drafted, Columbus, Ohio-living person is a Kansas City fan, but um, if you want to be like Brandon Dabinsky and maybe put a little money little bit of money on the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. Uh, there's only one place that has you covered, and there's only one place that we trust, and that's betonline.ag. Uh, if you sign up today for a free account, uh, use promo code Locked On, you get a 50% welcome bonus. That means if you put $100 in, they will give you $50. If you put $200 in, they will give you $100. It's that easy. Um, so don't sit on the bench anymore. Get in on the action. Once again, that promo code is locked on all one word to receive a fifty percent welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts this new Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from local experts. Make sure you start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. So going back to Saturday's game, it is 1-1. We've got worth, you know, five minutes in. It has the feeling that it's going to be a little bit of a clown shoes kind of game, which are not my favourite games because we don't usually come out on top in those. Um, but, you know... Uh, Maybe five minutes later, Mikhail Grigorenko scores his first of the season, his first as a Blue Jacket. Uh, it's, again, another kind of weird goal. Uh, I believe it's uh, Kevin Stenland who takes the initial shot, and then it's kind of sitting behind Vasilevsky, and Grigorenko kind of throws himself into the crease and knocks the puck in, which... I feel like there could have been a case made for goaltender interference there, but as it as it happens, nobody knows what goaltender interference is ever, and for once it worked in our favour. So you know it's it's two one two one jackets in the first period, which you know we've we've been here before. We know we know what happens in theory, um, and then it's kind of a quiet rest of the period. Elvis makes a couple of really solid saves, and then, like, right before the end of the period, uh, Vladislav Gavrikov scores his first of the season. Uh, it's the first, like, actual nice goal of the game, I think. Uh, the puck kind of, I believe, foodie shoots for a rebound, and it floats all the way out to the high slot. Gavrikov puts it home does his extremely funny uh, phone selly, which I just love. Uh, and we're like, okay, cool, it's 3-1. We're going to go into the period, into the intermission, 3-1 up. Uh, and then we immediately take a penalty. And there's literally 14 seconds left in the period. And uh, Andre Palat scores exactly the same goal that uh, I believe Braden Point scored uh on Thursday when we lost in overtime where they just pass it directly through the crease 
for whatever reason, Zach Wierenski's just kind of standing there, not really doing much. Uh, Elvis is square to the shooter, but he can't get across in time. Uh, and he just, Andre Palat just taps it home, which is, as a goalie, infuriating. Um, like, I've never been so angry about a goal in my life, uh, because it looks so easy to prevent, and yet it always ends up in the back of the net. Uh, but, you know, it's it's 3-2, things are going not the worst. Uh, I believe this is the first time we're taking a lead into a period as well uh, in this season, which is not great, but hey, you know, it's the Stanley Cup champions, I will take anything I can get at this point. Uh, and after that, it's kind of a slow game. Nothing much happens in the second period. Uh, there are no goals. Nothing nothing too exciting. Uh, so it kind of really comes to a head in the third period. Uh, Zach Rensky scores his first of the season. We've talked about that a little bit. Uh, and suddenly it's a 4-2 game. Uh, and I'm not going to lie, a part of me is still assuming that we will find a way to ruin this, uh, because I am fragile about how competent the Blue Jackets are, um, because they do have a tendency to do this and then, you know, piss away leads, as, you know, certain other maybe California-based teams did last night, but we won't get into that. Um, and then, you know, it's there's two minutes left, Eric Robertson scores the empty net, empty net goal, his first of the season. Uh, so I believe of our five goals, four of them were the first of the season. Uh, and we had uh, players from, I think, every line getting involved. Um, Riley Nash got his first point of the season. Seth Jones got his first point of the season. Uh, Kevin Stenland, his first game, his first point. Same for Nathan Gerby. Uh, Michael Del Zotto continues to put up assists, which, sure, I guess, like, at this point, I just kind of have to accept that that's what's happening, um, which, you know, is fine. If he wants to be that offensive defenseman until Jones and Wierenski wake up and realise that that's their job, then he is welcome to it. Uh and, you know, that was that was the game. So I thought it was a pretty decisive game for the Blue Jackets. Uh, we did end up getting outshot uh, 32 to 28. But, you know, Elvis Muslikin's 30 out of 32 saves. Uh, it was about what I... It was the ideal Blue Jackets versus Tampa Bay win, I thought. Um... I would like to see less shots against the next time we face them, but I understand that that is unlikely. Um, and we've made it we made it through the first mini Tampa Bay series. Uh, so next up, we've got games against Florida and Chicago, which should be fun, if not necessarily brilliant hockey. Uh, coming up in just a minute, I'm going to uh, give you my conversation with Sarah on the Lockdown NHL podcast uh, about the Dubois-Line trade and a little bit of torts talk. But first, I've got to tell you about Built Bar. 
Uh, Bill Bar is basically the best protein bar on the market. Uh, it tastes incredible. It is super good for you. Uh, it comes in 18 incredible flavors. We've got caramel brownie. We've got lemon almond cheesecake. We've got raspberry. We've got toffee almond. We've got banana bread. We have all kinds. They're covered in 100% chocolate. And they are great if you are, you know, the kind of guy that goes to the gym. Or if, like me, you are the kind of person that just wants to put something in their face that looks unhealthy but is actually pretty good for you. Uh, They're low calorie, they're low sugar, they're high protein, high fiber. You know, they're great for keto diets. Uh, And, you know, you just, you cannot go wrong with a built bar. Uh, occasionally they even have, you know, special, special edition flavors. So, you know, keep, keep an eye out for those. Uh, and if you go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on, you get 20% off your next order, which is a really great deal, frankly. Uh, so once again, that is promo code locked on or one word for 20% off at builtbar.com. Uh, coming up tomorrow on Locked On Blue Jackets, I'm going to be talking to the host of Locked On Panthers about the upcoming miniseries that we have with them. So make sure you check that out. We've talked about this on the show before, but uh, we're going to get the uh, the conclusion to the saga of Pierre-Luc Dubois and Columbus and wanting a change of scenery uh, because... Over the weekend, the seemingly inevitable happened, and they, the trade went down for one slightly disgruntled player for uh, two slightly disgruntled players and sent Patrick Laine and Jack Roslavic, who is a Columbus native, to Columbus in exchange for Pierre-Luc Dubois. And so today we're going to be sitting down with uh, both hosts of Locked On Blue Jackets and Locked On Jets to get their perspectives on uh, on the trade and their feelings. And so first up, we've got Jay Forster from Locked On Blue Jackets to, uh, to to give us some feelings. So we'll actually start out with the feelings question. How are you feeling? Honestly, I think now it's just kind of relief. Um, I spent most of Friday in a state of just like vague badness. Um, I just kind of wanted it to be over and it didn't seem like it was going anywhere. And I was like, okay, listen, I've made my peace with the fact that Dubois is not finishing the season as a Blue Jacket, but I didn't think it was going to be right. Okay. He's going to throw this temper tantrum on Thursday and then on Friday, he's going to be on the way out. Uh, So right now it's mostly just kind of numb and relieved that everything is over and we can hopefully move past like all of this bad feeling. Uh, and I'm excited for, for Line 8 to get into town because uh, I think if we can put him with someone that can just get him the puck all day long, uh, you know, that's a potential 50-goal scorer right there, which I don't think the Blue Jackets have literally ever had. Without Dubois, I feel like the, the trade is a little, not unbalanced, but you switched a, a center for a winger. So what's the center position look like for the Blue Jackets now that you are without uh, without Dubois? Um, I mean, obviously it's not as good as it was before Dubois. Um, the irony with this trade is that we've been talking about acquiring like a high-scoring left winger for like three years now to get someone to replace Panarin, who can play with Dubois. Uh, And so we went out and we got that high-scoring winger, and we had to swap Dubois for him. 
Um, but I feel a lot better about it knowing that kind of uh, Alexander Texier started the season at wing and then we put him in centre because Miko Koivu was out with COVID protocols. Uh, and he's actually done a really, a really good job. Um, I think he's probably going to switch to centre permanently now. Um, and so down the middle, we've got Domi, who has looked better in the last couple of games. I thought he like had a really bad start to the season. Uh, we've got Texier. Uh, Miko Koivu is going to be back on Tuesday. Uh, so I'm excited to win some face-offs <laughs> for the first time in like three years. Uh, and then like eternal uh, fourth-line centre slash babysitter, uh, Riley Nash. Every team needs one of those. What's kind of the mood around the Blue Jackets uh, now that you know the, the trade has finally happened? The, the the tension, I guess, can all go away. I feel like it couldn't have been a very fun time for anyone, especially that you know all all the media was asking about was questions about Pierre Luc Dubois, and I'm sure that everyone was really tired of talking about it, uh, no matter what the situation actually was. So, what's kind of the uh, the the mood around the team as they? finally put this chapter to an end and wait for line a to to be able to make his debut uh yeah i think again it's you know it's it's relief it's thank god that's over um and i do think that like it's it's kind of complicated because i don't actually blame dubois for a lot of what's going on um there's a really good article on uh, blueshirtbanter.com about how it was basically throwing this passive-aggressive temper tantrum was the only leverage he had about how long he was going to be in Columbus because he was a restricted free agent. He wasn't eligible for arbitration, so he basically had to either take what the Blue Jackets were offering or sit and not play. So I don't blame him for wanting to take things into his own hands, but I also think that by doing so, he did create... um, probably a pretty unpleasant atmosphere in the locker room. And so I think there's probably just, you know, a lot of, a lot of relief. And I think based on uh, the game uh, last night against Tampa, which we won five, two, uh, you know, it felt like a very different, a very different team. And I think it was kind of that and breathe. Mm-hmm. You know, we can, we've, we've cleared all of the air. Um, I don't think any of them wish him, like, badly. I think, you know, they're all going to be happy for him to, to succeed in Winnipeg or wherever. But I do think it was probably, okay, now, now we've cleared the air. It's all kind of out in the open. We don't have to kind of deal with that as well as playing NHL hockey in a pandemic. Mm. Yeah, it's a lot of things going on all at once. Um, is there? Do you know what the timeline is for when Line is actually going to be able to make his debut uh, with the team? I, I'm, I'm sure there's some sort of quarantine stuff that's going to have to happen. Um, so as far as I'm aware, because he's coming in from Canada, he doesn't have to quarantine. Okay. If someone was going from America to Canada, they would. So I'm assuming that Dubois will have to quarantine for two weeks once he finally gets into Canada. But I'm sure I saw someone saying that the other way is not mm-hmm. um, is not quite as strict, which is unsurprising, but also bad. Um, he is out with an upper body injury at the minute. I believe he's day-to-day. Uh, I saw Jeff Svoboda uh, of Jackets Insider saying 
maybe the end of next week slash the start of this week. Uh, I do also know he has some visa issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume that obviously with the um, Canadian teams all playing in Canada, the visa requirements for the season were probably a little bit different. So I think they probably have to get his visa sorted and then he can come over and then hopefully by the time all that's sorted, he'll be healthy uh, and playing in maybe next Monday's game. I don't know the schedule off the top of my head, but... Eventually. Eventually he'll play. At some point. Um, one, one last kind of thought to wrap all of this up, and I'm sure it's the, the thought that is going through a lot of people's minds. Uh, John Tortorella doesn't exactly have the greatest track record with kind of young, full of personality, slightly feisty, especially European players. And, you know, I think that, you know, there, there, I feel like there's varying degrees of how, how much people think that he what role he had to play in Dubois being unhappy. But uh, if you're trading one guy for another guy who is also known for having a big personality and not exactly always wanting to play by the book. And uh, some people might say not always wanting to play defense in Patrick Lane's case. What, what do you think, you know, what, what, how do you imagine this is going to go? with uh, Tortorella getting this very great player who may not always want to play the way Torts wants him to play? Um, I think it could go one of two ways. I think it could either go the way everyone expects, which is that they butt heads and everything is terrible and he keeps benching him because he doesn't want to play uh, defense. Um, However, early on in kind of Torts' tenure in Columbus, Someone, I believe, probably Aaron Portsline, wrote an article about like his relationship with guys like Brandon Dubinsky or Cam Atkinson, and they talked about how Torts likes it when someone yells back because it shows passion, mm-hmm. um, and he kind of he respects them more for that. Um, and so I could see kind of Line A, you know, he he cares a lot about what people think of him. I think, uh, you know, he was mad as hell that he didn't go first overall uh and austin matthews did and so i could see all of that kind of combining into him basically telling tortorella to you know go f himself and going out and scoring four goals just to like prove that he can do it so you know i think it depends on how he responds to tortorella's um coaching style but i think either way it's going to be lots of shouting at each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't see it going any other way than that, but uh, it, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. It'll be, I, I feel like for both of these guys, it's well, really all three of them because Roslavic, who we haven't really talked about um, also very publicly wanted out of Winnipeg to the point where he didn't even sign the, the, the new contract they offered him. So you have three guys who all wanted a change of scenery and they're all going to get it. Uh, but whether or not, you know, the grass is greener on the other side for, for each of them and what they specifically wanted, uh, we will find out. But I hope that it all works out uh, for, for everyone, for you guys in Columbus and uh, that, yeah, Patrick Laine goes and scores 50 goals for you guys and just, uh, you know, has a blast in Columbus. That would be so good. <laughs> like, that's what we need. We haven't had a guy like that since Panarin left a couple of years ago, and I'm excited to have someone on this team who can score a lot of goals. 
It's going to be fun. And I think that's all the time we have for today. Uh, like I said earlier, tomorrow I'm going to be sitting down with Armando of Locked on Panthers. Uh, and later this week, I will be sitting down with Harrison Lee of Locked on Winnipeg Jets to further break down the dubois line train, maybe get a little bit of insight into line playing style, uh, how he might fit into Columbus, and uh, Jack Roslebeck as well, if he ends up making the team, uh, which I assume he will, which is, you know, we love a local boy here in Columbus. Uh, if you want to follow this podcast on Twitter, we are at LO underscore Blue Jackets. I will be live tweeting most games there, providing I don't double book myself again. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at jthegoalie. I've got some really fun stuff coming up for Pride Month starting next week. So if that's something you're interested in, give me a follow over there. Uh, Thursday, we will be doing our mailbag segment, as always. So if you have comments, questions, criticisms, especially for the mailbag, uh, you can email me at lockedonbluejackets at gmail.com. So I will see you tomorrow with some Florida Panthers talk.